Hey, it's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? Right? Amen. Kids will be jingle-belling and everyone telling you what? To be of good cheer? Psalms of, did I get it wrong? All right, sorry, I'm a little nervous this morning. Uh, Hey, if I were to ask you this, what would be your perfect Christmas? Anybody? Anybody this morning? Hey, what would be your perfect Christmas? The Lord to come back, okay? I'll be honest, I wasn't thinking about that one. I know that's wrong of me, but I was thinking about, like if you didn't come back, what would be your perfect Christmas? Wait a minute, what? All your family. Anybody? Anybody? Would That would be a perfect Christmas for you? All your family to be together? That'd be a good one. Anybody else? What would be your perfect Christmas if the Lord tarried? Anybody else? No, no perfect Christmas. I really need you to help me this morning. Yes. World peace. So far, I'm two for two in my notes. I had those two written down. Anybody else? Man, that would be a perfect Christmas. Family together. World peace. Bryce. I didn't have that one either. All right, snow. We good. Didn't it snow in Florida one time? Anybody know when that was? I wasn't even born. Never mind. 1978 it snowed. 77. I wasn't born yet, so I didn't see it. Anybody else? Maybe one more perfect Christmas. What would it be? Anybody? Anybody else? Oh, somebody? Mrs. Wingenroth? Oh, knowing all your family would be in heaven. That would be a perfect Christmas. But to be honest, there's probably not going to be a perfect Christmas for a while. And the reason is, is we don't live in a perfect world, correct? Just a couple of years ago, there was a man that wrote an article about his idea of a perfect world, a perfect world. Now, again, this is just his idea, but I want to share it with you. He said this, in a perfect world, you would feel as good at the age of 60 as you did at 17. Does that... Did I strike a chord there? He also said in a perfect world, you would be as smart at the age of 60 as you thought you were at the age of 17. Yes? Yes? All right. In a perfect world. He said in a perfect world, professional athletes like baseball, basketball, and football players would be complaining because teachers would be signing multi-million dollar contracts. In a perfect world, hallelujah, can I get an amen? Just kidding, all right. He said, in a perfect world, potato chips would have calories, but if eaten with dip, they would be neutralized. (laughs) Yes, I like that. In a perfect world, right? He said, in the perfect world, the mail would come early and the check in the mail would be more than expected. In a perfect world, right? In a perfect world. He said, finally, in a perfect world, every once in a while, some kid somewhere who would always close the door softly would be told, go back and slam that door. In a perfect 
world. What about you? What would be a perfect world for you? Would it be ice cream that was good for the heart? Whoa. Would it be cheesecake that helped you lose weight? Now we're talking, right? Yeah. In a perfect world, what would be a perfect world for you? Would it be bills that paid themselves? Would it be children who always listened and obeyed? Amen. Or would it be parents that never yelled? Mm. In a perfect world. This morning, listen, we know we don't live in a perfect world. But this morning, I would like to share with you the perfect plan of Christmas. Would you join with me as we pray, as we begin? Lord, I come before you, and Lord, you are perfect. There is no flaw in you. Lord, you are holy and righteous and just and merciful and gracious. And Lord, we know that you are bigger than us. And Lord, your plan is bigger than us. But Lord, we're grateful that your plan includes us. Lord, this morning, Lord, I pray that as we open your word, God, that you, Lord, that you would speak. Lord, that your word would pour down like rain upon our souls. And God, that we, as your people, would grow. Lord, thank you for Grace Baptist Church. Thank you that we can meet corporately together to proclaim your truths, to learn your word. Lord, I thank you for this, this holiday season where we celebrate your birth. God, part of your perfect plan. So God, now as, as your word is opened, you be glorified. Remove me and you speak, God. It's in your precious and holy name that I pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. We're only going to look at two verses today. I actually have more time than I thought. But don't fret. Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 5. When you get there, oh, here pages stop turning. Galatians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 4 through 5. It says this, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. The perfect plan of Christmas if you're taking notes, I just have three quick points that you will hopefully remember. If you don't, that's okay. We'll pray for you. My point is this. Three points for the perfect plan of Christmas. Number one, it was the perfect timing. Perfect timing. But when the time had fully come, let me ask you a question. When you give a, a special gift to somebody, don't you want it to be the right time? Time, like when you give a gift, 
Like, like most of us probably weren't going to give our girlfriends an engagement ring during halftime of Monday Night Football. Now, now maybe you did, and I'm not trying to offend you if you did, but most of us probably think out, hey, we want to have the best timing to give this gift. Like, we want the moon to be just right. And we want the weather to cooperate. And the location needs to be perfect when you present this gift, right? And then when all of those things come together and we've orchestrated this magnificent timing, it's then that we present this gift, correct? Yes. What does it say? Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, at the very beginning. But when the fullness of time had come. Here's the deal. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, at the right time. Watch. Let me break this down. He sent Him at the right time. Not only was it the right time, it was the right time culturally. Follow me with this for just a second. It was the right time culturally. You see, Alexander the Great had just conquered the known world at the time. He, he was the man. It was there that, that he had conquered the world. And when he did so, he brought in some things. Here's what happened. He brought with him Greek culture, Greek philosophy, and the Greek language. The Greek language? Yes, the, the Greek language. It was the language of the first century. It was the language of the common people. It was the language that everybody would understand. It was the universal language of that time. Today, if you were to travel out of this country into another country, I have, they have what is called the international language, which is English. It's the international language. But in the first century, the international language, it was Greek. It was, it was Greek. In fact, it was the most precise and most descriptive of any ancient language. Now watch. Because of that, it was just the right time for the quick spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was perfect culturally. But not only was it perfect culturally, listen, it was perfect politically. Politically? Watch. Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. And on his deathbed, history tells us that surrounding his deathbed were all his generals, all right there, waiting to see who would be the next to inherit his dominion, who would be the guy that would get everything. And history tells us that on his deathbed, Alexander the Great as he's literally slipping away, he would say these words, I bequeath all of my stuff. I bequeath everything I have. I give everything I've got to. And history says that those that were around his bed literally leaned in to hear who was going to get everything. And one guy that I read said that they even held their breaths, waiting in anticipation. For Alexander to say these words, I bequeath all my holdings to the strongest. And you know what happened? Civil war broke out. 
The empire literally began to crumble in fall as men fought for dominance to become the next. And in the midst of that, a young man began to arise by the name of Octavius. And Octavius was a very educated man. The Senate of Rome saw his credentials and saw that he would become a a great leader, but they didn't want to call him a king. So instead of giving him the title of king, they gave him the title of Augustus. Caesar Augustus. And at that time, Luke picks up a pen and he begins to write in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. What? That all men should be taxed. God used the pagan dictator. He used the pagan empire. He used the pagan decree to bring forth his perfect plan, which was to bring Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So that the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years earlier, had prophesied that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. And God fulfilled that prophecy. You see, it was the perfect time It was right culturally. It was right politically. But listen, it was also right geographically. Geographically. We know that Rome, what's the saying that goes with Rome? All roads lead to Rome. You see, Rome had become great. They were building these roads to bring everybody into their city. But not only did those roads lead to Rome, but they led from Rome. And so it would be easy for the gospel to go out all over the known world at that time. To be able to cross lines without any problems, boundary lines, to go from one city to the next. You see, it was the right time. It was the perfect time. Not only was it the perfect time, but He gave us the perfect gift. He gave us the perfect gift. Look at Galatians 4. Verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. It was the perfect gift. Have you ever tried to get the perfect gift for that perfect loved one? Anybody? Like, that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Like, to find the perfect gift that you know that they're going to love? A man one day went and got his wife a beautiful diamond ring, gave it to her. A friend of that man learned of this extravagant gift and he went to him and he said, hey, and you got your wife that diamond ring, but didn't she want that four-wheel drive, all-terrain sport utility vehicle? To which the man said, yes, she did, but I didn't know where to find a fake Jeep. (laughs) The perfect gift. The perfect gift. Listen, maybe you... Maybe you wander the malls aimlessly looking, hoping that something will jump out at you and you'll know that that's the gift that that you need to get. Or, Or maybe you could be lucky like me. Last year, I was very fortunate. Here's why. My wife on her cell phone kept a list of everything she wanted for Christmas. My kids said, Dad, Mom keeps a list. She likes something, she puts it on her phone. I stole her phone, got her everything on that list. It was perfect. Perfect. 
Now watch. Just like I knew what my wife wanted for Christmas, before the foundations of the world, God knew what we needed. And we needed the perfect gift in His Son, Jesus Christ. He would come, born of a virgin, not with an earthly father, so that he would not have a sinful nature like you or I, but rather of the Holy Father. And therefore, he would come as a human, as Mr. Smith already said, fully God, but yet fully man. And he would come under the law. Why? He would live 33 perfect years, spotless, blameless. 33 years as the perfect man. You see, he wasn't just the perfect gift in the form of a gift. He was perfect in every way. So that he could be the ultimate substitute for you and for me. You see, it was the perfect time. And it was the perfect gift for one reason and one reason only. Because he had a perfect purpose. There's a perfect purpose. That purpose, listen, God sent His perfect Son, Jesus, because it is the only gift that offers the right solution to our sin problem. It's the only gift. You see, Romans reminds us of our sin problem. It's Romans 3, 23. Many of you could probably quote it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, it reminds you and me that we are sinners. And no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we have sin in our life. But God had a plan for that sin. It was in the form of His Son, the perfect gift, Jesus Christ. Not only does Romans 3.23 remind us of our sin, but it then just three chapters later, tells us the consequence to our sin. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. You see, there's a price to pay for your sin and for my sin. I tell my kids all the time, and I know I've told you, that the consequence for you and I to touching a hot stove is getting burnt That is the consequence. The consequence of my sin is death. And not just death. It's eternal separation from a holy God. That's the consequence to sin. But the good news is this. That he didn't stop there. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The perfect plan of Christmas. It was the perfect time. It was the perfect gift for the perfect purpose to redeem mankind. You see, you and I, we are sinners and we're in need of a Savior. Normally, when you and I give a gift, typically we give gifts to the people we love, don't we? Like at Christmas time, because we give gifts, we give them to our family members. Because we love them. I give my wife a gift or my kids a gift because I love them. Or or maybe we give gifts because we have relationships with people. For instance, maybe they graduated. And so because we know them and have a relationship with them, we we give them a graduation gift or, or a birthday gift. 
Listen. The purpose, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the Christmas season, the most wonderful time of the year. But it wouldn't be very wonderful if God never sent His Son. You see, it's more than just exchanging gifts and eating food with family and friends. It's that the holy God, the creator of this universe, stepped out of perfection and into a sin-filled world, put on flesh in the incarnation of a baby, Jesus, born of a virgin, Mary, so that you and I might have life. You see, our hope is in Him and in Him alone. This Christmas season. It was the perfect time. It was the perfect gift for the perfect purpose. Look at verse 5. Go back a little bit. Verse 4. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoptions as sons. You know what I know? I have two sons and two daughters. And I would do anything for those four kids. How much more would a heavenly father who sent his son as a substitute for us do for us? It's Christmas. It's the perfect time to give the perfect gift for the perfect purpose to a world who's in desperate need of a Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and this is the first time you've heard of this perfect gift. The good news is, is the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, that Jesus, God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Right where you sit today, you could receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you simply believe that Jesus was who He said He was, that He came to this earth as a baby, lived 33 flawless, sinful, sinless years so that He could be the sacrifice that would cover all sins. And then, listen, it didn't stop there, but He would raise from the grave three days later. Today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and do so. Because it's the perfect time. And you've just heard about the perfect gift. Because he has a perfect purpose. Would you join with me as we pray? Lord, you have the perfect plan. It included me. It included us. That you, a holy God, would send your son... To die for us. If we would simply believe, confess, and put our faith and trust in Him. Lord, You came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That we wouldn't have to spend eternity separated from You, but rather we could spend eternity bowing down, worshiping. 
but I'm grateful for who you are. This morning, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's the greatest thing that you could ever do. Before you leave today, if you would like to do that or know how to systematically maybe walk through that, come talk to me or Pastor Steve or Pastor Wingenroth. He's here. Talk to us. You see, it's a simple thing to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. It's in your precious and holy name that I pray. Amen.